How do you catch a criminal who leaves no traces? And then we wrap up season 14 with possibly our most terrifying story yet. Is it possible for demonic forces to disguise themselves as holy icons? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. First off, let's take a look at our Fan Art Friday submission. This is a brand new submission from Adam Carter. Look, this is awesome. I love this. It says Dead Rabbit Radio in this really cool font. We have the dead rabbit with his third eye floating over his head. There's like a cyberpunk biomechanical look. And a little in-joke here you'll see on his shirt. If you guys are driving, don't look. You can look at it later. On his shirt, it says, Monkeys do not exist in Basque, which is the logo on my Patreon supporter sticker. So that is from Adam Carter. Adam, thank you so much for this totally awesome artwork. Really, really appreciate it. Great way to end off season 14 with this amazing piece of artwork. This is it. This is the final episode of season 14, and I'm taking the entire month of July off. The show will not return until the beginning of August. It is a vacation that I need. Normally, I take two-week breaks, but this time I'm going to be doing traveling. I normally travel during the summer, so I will be gone for the month of July. No new Dead Rabbit Radio episodes, except on July 18th, the long-prophesized day of an alien invasion, alien encounter, alien disclosure, however you want to describe it. (laughs) None of it's going to happen, right? None of it's going to happen, but we are going to do a July 18th alien invasion special Brought to you by The Quiet Place Part 2. Tune in for that. Join the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you guys can be there for that. If you guys don't do the YouTube thing, that's totally fine. I'm going to take the audio and upload it to the podcast. But if you're there during the live stream, you'll be able to ask me questions. We're going to have a conversation, outrun some aliens, maybe make love to a sexy reptilian. We'll we'll just got to see what happens. We'll see what happens on July 18th. So get your strawberry ice cream ready for that amazing event. Speaking of amazing, let's welcome in today's legacy Patreon supporter. It's Big Bug Nowadays. Everyone give a round of applause to Big Bug Nowadays. It's a giant beetle walking into Dead Rabbit Command. Big Bug, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I get it. It's totally fine. There's a lot of people that I watch all their content to and never give them a dime. But I spread the word about the show. (laughs) I'll spread the word right now. Omewrecker, if you guys like video game Dead by Daylight, check out Omewrecker's channel on YouTube. He's, he's really my favorite content creator right now, and it has been for a long time. So if you guys can't support the Patreon, just spread the word about the show, because I get it. Not everyone can donate money. That's totally fine. Just spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Let's go ahead and get this bad boy started with Big Bug at the wheel of the Jason Jalopy. I'm going to toss you those keys. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to a drug den in the middle of the United States. <laughs> Big Bug, Big Bug's like, great, I'm driving this old, beat-up jalopy car. We're headed into this drug den. There's a bunch of bodyguards standing there with mean-looking sunglasses, and their sunglasses have sunglasses. It's like the scariest place you've ever been. And we see all these drug dealers sitting around, and they're like, you know, instead of sitting in this warehouse, we should be out dealing drugs. That is what our job is. But no, they're all in this location right now, and the big boss walks out onto the balcony. Because I imagine this is straight from like an 80s Seagal movie. It's a warehouse with this balcony, and this boss comes out, and his sunglasses have sunglasses, and those sunglasses 
have sunglasses. That's how you know how in charge this guy is. He walks out and he takes his sunglasses off. It takes a while because first the one pair of sunglasses have to take the sunglasses. You're like, okay, Jason, the, jo the joke wasn't funny to begin with. Now it's actually making me unsubscribe to your show. After about 30 minutes of sunglasses being taken off quantum sunglasses, the boss goes, hey, all you drug dealers out there. That's how they, he doesn't learn their names. He's not a really good boss. He doesn't know his employees. All you drug dealers and drug dealerettes. People are like, that's not a thing. You don't call a female drug dealer a drug dealerette. He goes, it doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you guys that I have discovered the best new app around. And they're like, what? And he pulls out this cell phone and he goes, this is a nom. And everyone's like, what's a nom? Here, I'll tell you what. I don't know why I did that long intro. Let me just tell you what a nom is. That was just the theater of the mind. Back a couple episodes, it was maybe about 20, 30 episodes ago. I'll put it in the show notes. I did a story about this thing called EncroChat. We've covered it a couple times on this podcast, actually. It was a super secure app for your phone that was untraceable. So you were able to send drug dealing messages to your drug dealers and your drug dealerettes. And you were able to swap photos. You're like, dude, look at all these people I massacred. Everyone's like, oh, man, I wish I could massacre that many people. It was a way for criminals to talk to each other. But eventually Interpol was able to hack into it. And they arrested a ton of people within a short matter of time because the criminals were talking openly. They figured, you know, we can say all this stuff. They're not going to be able to hack this system where Interpol did hack it and they arrested all these people. We've covered it a couple times. Very fascinating. Well, of course... Someone else is going to take their place. And there were competitors to EncroChat at the time. It's just like how the feds shut down Silk Road, the drug dealing website on the dark web. Silk Road 2.0 popped up shortly after. There are other websites vying for control at the same time. You're never going to be able to knock all these down. So what really jumps into prominence is Anom. Anom, A-N-O-M, was set up in 2018. And criminals began flocking to this incredibly secure network. Anom, this is so interesting because you figure it's a bunch of criminals, right? You figure they just all work out of these warehouses and in alleyways. They actually had a distribution team. Anom actually had people go out to known criminal hideouts. <laughs> I mean, talk about cold calling, right? This is more like cold cocking. You get a gun to your head, you're like, uh. You're like, Jason, just, just end this show. Just end this episode. Take your break now. Because this is like your worst jokes ever. You walk in, you have to sell these phones to these drug dealers. But they do. Anom actually has a, a distribution team that went out and they actually, they had a marketing slogan for this. They have a marketing slogan for this. It's for criminals, by criminals. <laughs> I, I mean, I might be a criminal. I might be a drug dealer. But I don't want another criminal developing my app. How do I know you're not going to steal my identity? I think the fact that who would steal Pablo Escobar's identity, right? Because he's just going to kill you and get it back. This Anom program goes out and it's actually tied to specific phones. The phones have the... They're not even really phones. They have no voice ability. They have no camera ability. They have no ability to be tracked. You could only send secure messages through the Anom app. So it was a Basically, a bricked phone, it could only do one thing. But what it did was essential to criminals. It allowed them to communicate with each other undetected. And I didn't know this existed. In the, it makes sense. But in the underworld, there is a thing known as a criminal influencer. 
So it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the Kim Kardashian. It's the Kim Kardashian. It's Kilo Kardashian. It's people in the criminal underworld that other criminals look up to. What they say has more weight. So once the Anon, just like how you want to have some sort of diet shake, some weight loss shake or whatever, you send it to the Kardashians, you pay them money, and they'll talk about it. Anom, this was so good. They were selling these phones, and some of them fell into hands of high-level criminal influencers. And they began spreading the word. This is the app. If you guys want to murder people and not get caught, everyone's like, yeah, who doesn't want to do that? We're criminals. Well, then Anom is the app for you. This was spreading like wildfire, and the feds were like, dude, they knew this app existed, but they don't know how to stop it. It's just like EncroChat. Anom is spreading throughout the criminal world. You can only, and the fact that it was hard to get a hold of them, you could only buy them through the black market, or, or you met or knew one of these distributors, but they did have 12,000 of these devices spread around the world. Well, on June 8th, 2021, this is worldwide. This all happens pretty much in a 48-hour period. 9,000 law enforcement officers spread around the world, hit up 700 different locations, Arrest 800 people within a 48-hour period. They seize 32 tons of drugs, $48 million in various currencies. 50 different drug labs shut down around the world in a 48-hour period, including the largest clandestine lab in Germany history. It was a worldwide bust. June 8th, 2021. So how did the FBI... This is... I love this story. How did the FBI break Anom? IncroChat just got broken earlier this year. Did they use the same tools? Was there the same sort of development kit between IncroChat and Anom? It turns out a couple years ago, there were some American law enforcement officers in Australia, and they were talking to their counterparts in Australia, just sitting back drinking a couple beers at a bar, and they were talking about this problem of these IncroChat-type things, these anonymous services for criminals. They started talking about these encrypted services that criminals are starting to use. And they begin kind of thinking about it and joking about it. And they go, what if we started one? Anom was 100% fully designed, funded, and distributed by the Federal Bureau of Investigation of the United States. They developed this app, gave their phone, gave a bunch of phone, turned their undercover agents into a distribution team. They heard who the top dogs were on all these different levels. They knew who they followed the criminal influencers on Criminalgram. They distributed these phones. They sold them. They did tech support on them. From day one, the FBI was immediately monitoring all of these communications that these people were like, dude, this, this thing is so encrypted. Nobody knows where I'm at right now. Look at me. And he's like stepping on a witness's face. I caught this guy. He was a rat. It turns out, and I wonder if this is what prompted them to make the raid on June 8th, because they had been followed. This program's been out since 2018. They stopped a bunch of murders. They stopped a bunch of murders. And I, I'm sure there were probably other murders in the previous three years that people are now upset about. They're like, hey, you could have stopped my nephew's murder. But they were talking about like a family of five was about to get slaughtered. And the agents came in, removed the family, arrested everyone. And like people are really pissed at the influencers too now. Because it comes it becomes part of a thing like one. The FBI got you or whatever jurisdiction you're in, because this was a worldwide thing. But then you're also mad at the people who said, hey, dude, why don't you talk about all those crimes on this really cool, secure app called Anom? There's a criminal right now, sorry, alleged criminal. He hasn't been convicted yet, but his name is Hakan Aik. 
He's a drug trafficker. Alleged <laughs> drug trafficker. Australia's trying to get him. He's in Turkey. In this article, the Australian authorities are openly taunting him. They go, hey, hey, Hakan, hey, remember when you gave all the people the Anam app? Because we know that you did that. Because we were the Anam app and we have all those messages of you. Yeah, you should turn yourself into us. Because trust us, there's a lot of people who are after you right now that don't want to put handcuffs on you. Or if they do want to put handcuffs on you, it doesn't end with you in a cell having three hots and a cot. So the influencers who are like, oh yeah, this is totally dope. They're, the ones that weren't arrested, they probably should turn themselves into authorities <laughs> because I imagine a lot of people are really pissed. That story is so fascinating to me because I always, for me, I know a lot of people love the true crime Stuff with like the serial killers and, and stuff like that. To me, it's always about the constant one-upping of law enforcement in the criminal world. That, to me, is more interesting than Ted Bundy stuff. I mean, I guess that stuff's interesting in the beginning, but you heard it once, you heard it a thousand times. All the serial killers are the same. This is an ongoing, and it will continue to see this. This ongoing escalation between law enforcement and the criminal underworld. And it's so fascinating to watch the chart. The other day, I was in a local gift shop. I was walking around with Sabine. They had a little sign up in their shop saying, no photographs. No photographs of any of the items. And I asked the shopkeeper, I go, hey, what's what's that picture for? And she goes, oh, you know, this is kind of weird, but what people have been doing, apparently this is something that's been going on. Because I thought maybe, you know, you'd have people like looking stuff up on Amazon, which people do do that. They'll go into a shop, they'll look for the stuff on Amazon, they'll leave and they'll buy it on Amazon. And I think I didn't mention that. She goes, no, what we actually have that sign up for is because this is kind of a hoity-toity gift shop. She goes, we've had problems with this, and law enforcement has said this. People will go into shops, they'll tell their drug dealer, hey, I will get you some stuff for in exchange for drugs. It used to just be that you would shoplift things from Walmart and then take them and you'd pawn them for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Now, the drug dealer will say, I want, like, this game, and I want this Xbox controller, and I want these candles for my girlfriend, and that's what you steal. So you get more money, because if you're just selling random stuff, they'll say, oh, I'll give you a couple bucks for all of this. But if it's something they really want, <laughs> they really want the candelabra. I mean, it's it, it's an interesting thing. It's, again, that escalation of crime and technology. I didn't understand. I still don't understand what's at a gift store, right? Like, this is, like I said, like, it's a highfalutin gift store. So it's not like anyone's coming in there to get, like, scented candles. Like, what drug dealer? It's the most aromatherapeutic drug dealer in town. He's just taking bubble baths all day long. But anyway, so yeah, the technology in the criminal world and the police trying to outsmart them. That, to me, is the most interesting part of true crime. Serial killer, eh, 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 dime a dozen. Unfortunately, right, there's a lot of them. But we still covered the unusual ones, like we did on Monday. That story was really, really creepy. You should check that one out. I'll put it in the show notes. But I like that stuff as well, but it needs to be... A little spookified. Speaking of spookified, let's go ahead and move on to our final story of the season. Big Bug, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind this drug den. It's in ruins. The police have raided the place. We got all the drugs. We stole all the drugs. We're going to sell them. And we're going to fund my vacation that I'm going to be taking. But for now, before we commit multiple felonies, fly us on out to Litmanova, Slokavia. <laughs> This story is interesting. It, it may offend some people, but I hope you stick with me. <laughs> I might actually end up offending you more the longer the episode goes, but le- le- I have a theory. We're in Litmanova, Slokavia. It's August 5th, 1991. It's 6 p.m. It's quite early in the evening. 
and there's three girls staying overnight at a cabin up on a hill. They're the rest of their families are back in town. They're not terribly far away, but this is a nice time for these three girls to be just spending some time together. We don't have the ages of them. The fact that they're alone on the hill, I would... I mean, if they were in a goalie, they could be any age, but I'm assuming they're probably like late teens, early 20s, somewhere in there. We have Katka Seslokova, Iviteka Korkakova, and Mikaluis Seskala. They're sitting outside the cabin right now. They have a little bonfire going. They're just enjoying each other's company. And then off in the forest, they hear a... (laughs) They don't hear Donald Duck. They don't hear Donald Duck coming. They hear a crackling sound in the forest. You know, it starts off soft. It's in the distance. They're not really thinking anything of it, but it starts to get louder. It starts to get closer. But they don't see what could be causing this noise. It's starting to scare them. So they go inside their cabin. They seek the shelter of their cabin, and they lock the door, and they're just sitting in there. And they're like, what do you think that noise was? I don't know. And then they hear, That is, if you couldn't place the sound of that, if you don't have amazing ears, you're going to be like, this is, this doesn't sound like that at all, Jason. It sounds like you're about to start singing Rock and Robin. They heard the sound of rattling tin outside of the door. And that noise is getting louder and louder as well. And so, anyways, then, boom! They hear the sound of something slam against the door. And they said the force of it and the loudness of it, to them it felt like someone was up on a nearby hill and threw something really, really heavy at the door. Like it was just a forceful impact at the door. So these three girls get on their knees and they begin to pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So this is the part where you might start getting offended. I apologize. This is just a, such a bizarre story. They begin praying to the Virgin Mary. And a glow begins to appear in the middle of this cabin. There's a, this illuminated figure now standing in their cabin. And it is the Blessed Virgin Mary. She's standing in this cabin. And she walks over to the girls and she stands there as if she's listening to their prayers. She's described as you would imagine the Virgin Mary to look like. A white dress, blue cloak, and a blue transparent veil was covering her face. She also had a crown and in her hands she held the rosary. Now you would think the girls would feel protected by this maternal figure. The maternal figure, really. They are hearing all this horrible stuff outside. They prayed to the Virgin Mary and now she is here. But instead these girls become overwhelmed with intense fear. They run past this apparition of the Virgin Mary, run out the front door, and begin running back to their town. They're running through the wilderness, back to their homes, and that's when one of them turns around. The Virgin Mary is chasing them. They say that no matter how fast they were running, she was only two steps behind them. I do have to say this as a commentary. I don't know because it's totally different. I don't know if she was floating after them, which would be 
interesting or if she was running which would be weird right because whenever we think of like seeing jesus you never expect to see him like moving because we never see him move we've seen him move in movies but that's not really him but you know what i mean like imagine right now that you're standing there and then jesus is in your room and he's like I'm so sorry you're going through this horrible stuff. And maybe he puts his hand on your shoulder. And you're like, dude, I'm an atheist. What are you doing here? And he's like, but I love everybody. But then if Jesus goes, I'm trying not to be super offensive. But if then if you go, Jesus, thank you so much for coming here. You really put a lot of peace in my heart. You want to walk down to 7-Eleven? And he's like, sure. Would you imagine him walking next to you? Or would you imagine him floating? <laughs> Which would get a lot of attention, right? Or do you not imagine him at all? But it's like, it's weird, because when you imagine a religious icon... Think about Buddha. Would you imagine him, like, you know, going for a jog, and you're, like, waving to him? You're like, hey, Buddha. Jason, come on. You're already turning the Virgin Mary into a horror villain. Do you really need to involve the Buddhists in this as well? My point is, is that I think we, we venerate these figures so much. I think even if you're not a Christian or a Buddhist or something like that, it would be weird to see Jesus walking down the street. I mean, obviously, I mean, that would obviously, it would be soul shattering to anyone. You'd be like, oh my God, it's the stories are real. But you imagine him floating. I guess I've never, ever thought of the Mary. I've never thought of Virgin Mary walking. Because it seems so mundane. But anyways, back to this story. Like, Jason, we don't care about that. These girls are being pursued by, by Jesus's mom. What are, you, what are you going off on this tangent? These girls are indeed being pursued by Jesus' mom. They're running through the hills, and she's following them. She's right on their heels. And this is making the girls get even more scared. They're running, and they, they see a road. The girls see a road, and the first girl runs past the road. Yo! The second girl runs past the road. She doesn't make that weird noise Jason made. I don't know why she made that. Third girl runs past the road, and Mary's right behind her. But as the third girl's crossing the road, there's one of those roadside crosses as a memorial for someone who died in an accident. And Mary stops and gets on her knees and begins praying in front of the cross. The girls look back and they're like, okay, good. We're going to be able to lose her now. They're like, quick to the cemetery. They're running around all the crosses. They actually are able to basically throw in a four-leaf clover at the leprechaun. She had to stop. I'm going, I'm sorry for all the subscribers that have already quit the show. Describing the Blessed Virgin Mary, comparing her to Warwick Davis's leprechaun. She stops, she prays at the cross. The three girls run home. And when they look back, the Virgin Mary is no longer chasing them. But then, this is so creepy. This is like a horror movie. And I, if, you, if you've not shut off the podcast, I will redeem myself in a second. The girls run home. They shut the door. They lock it. The parents are like, what? Why are you guys all sweaty? The girls look and they start looking out the window. They're trying to see if they can see this apparition. And they look and they see standing outside of one of their uncle's houses. So they look in the distance. They see this house. And there the Virgin Mary's just standing in the darkness across the street, staring at them. I got this story from thinkaboutitdocs.com. They got it from a book uh, called Catholic Apparitions, I believe, or Apparitions of the Catholic Faith, something like that. I don't have it in my notes, unfortunately. But I got it from thinkaboutitdocs.com. The link will be in the show notes. This is a fascinating story because I don't think that was the Blessed Virgin Mary. I don't think that was her. 
Now, it could have been, but I think if it was, I think she would be like, maybe I should, maybe I should stop chasing these girls. I'm obviously scaring them. So this is my hypothesis. Let's put on our conspiracy caps here. Let's say that this wasn't the Virgin Mary, because that is not normal Virgin Mary apparition behavior. For most part, she doesn't move. Most of these apparitions don't move. But it's about bringing peace into your heart. It's about protecting you. People can gauge other people's reactions, and this would seem out of character for the Blessed Virgin Mary to be chasing children through the darkness, floating or on foot, doesn't matter, and then standing there at a neighbor's house just staring at them, right? Those are all things we would put with a creature. So my, my question is this. Can a demonic force, which is how this story started off, Noise in the wood that gets closer, it terrifies the girl, it's trying to bang down the door, it's outside the door, it's making this sound like metal is shaking. Can a demonic force disguise itself as a holy figure? Because if that's possible, then all bets are off, right? The part of me, the believer of the Christian faith, said, would say... Well, you know, it's an interesting question because obviously there's I'm Southern Baptist, so there's a difference between the way the Protestants view icons and the way Catholicism views icons, and then you have the way Islam views icons and things like that. So you have that difference there, but would could a and we we can even broaden this out because what if this wasn't demonic? What if this was alien? Because you could easily say no, Jason, the fact that demonic is Antichrist. It's against God's message. It's literally like fallen angels that are being punished by God. No, a demonic force cannot disguise itself as Mary or Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit. But then on the other hand, could it disguise itself as Moses or Noah or Samson or King David or any of these other biblical figures? And you'd be like, dude, who's that demon shows up? He's dressed up like Paul from the apostles. You're like, who's that? And he's like, dude, go to Bible school. That's why I'm possessing you because you don't go to Bible school. Ah! What would be off limits to a demon? Could it assume the figure of Jesus? And when you're in your darkest moment, you have this vision of Jesus, and he's like counseling you, but it's really Ball Barith. And he's like, <laughs> you're like, you think it's kind of weird Jesus keeps telling you to sacrifice that kitten at midnight. You're like, but it is Jesus. Like, at what point, if religious figures are impossible for demons to impersonate, what would be the cutoff? Could they become Delilah? Could they become like bad people in the Bible? Could they become Nebuchadnezzar? It's, so we have that, but then let's broaden it out. What if it wasn't a demon? What if it was an alien? What if this was some sort of alien force that they was trying to get into these girls' house to do alien stuff, and it aliens in the lore have telepathic powers, and they hear these prayers, and they go, oh, they want this icon figure. We know what it looks like because we're reading their minds. I will appear as that figure. But then that makes the girls even... See, the key is, is like we've... There's tons of stories about people seeing the apparition of the Virgin Mary. But this is the only one I've ever seen where the girls immediately freak out and try to outrun her. So it's like the girls knew that it wasn't her. The girls instinctively knew that this was not the Virgin Mary. Could an alien... I, I, we have two questions. So the first question would be, could anything impersonate? Because you could say, no, Jason, those figures are so holy... But then we have actors portray them. So I don't think that would wash. 
Now, see, it's interesting because in the Islamic tradition, you cannot have a portrayal of the Prophet Muhammad. You can't do that. You can't have images of Allah. You can't have images of the Prophet Muhammad. So you can't, they don't have actors portray them. They don't have actors portray them. They don't have pictures of them in their houses. And that's part of their tradition. But because we, and here's the other interesting thing. I know Jesus does not look like the paintings of Jesus. Like, I know that. But when I think of Jesus, that's who I think of. I guys, I told you guys about that nightmare I had a long time ago that really, really freaked me out. It was just a normal dream. But at the ending, there was a, on my door, and I opened the door, and Satan was wearing Jesus Christ's face. Like, he had cut his face off like leather face. And the eyeballs were gouged out, and he had on this leather cut. He had on this face. It was like stapled to the devil's face with the beard and everything. And the devil did this little tap dance in front of me. He had these two giant, like, goon bodyguards standing behind him, and the devil did this little tap dance. And I woke up screaming at the top of my lungs. I was screaming in the dream. I woke myself up screaming. But even that version, of, even that skinned version of Jesus' face was the traditional painting of Jesus, which I believe was actually modeled after the artist's son or nephew. Like, there was a real guy who looked like him. It wasn't Jesus. But it's interesting, because I don't care what he looks like. Like Kanye West famously said, I'm not here to argue about his facial features. Like, that's not the message of Jesus. But when you think of Jesus, that's what you think of. So if something was going to appear to me as Jesus, he would most likely take that form if it wasn't really Jesus. But if the real Jesus came down, would I recognize him? Isn't that a, isn't that a Joan Osborne song? What if God was one of us? My point is, is that... Wait, what is the point? Okay, no, the point is, is this. There's a whole bunch of questions here. And I guess it's really up to you. I'd love to hear what you guys say. Can a... And let's... I think an alien could... Because an actor can portray a religious figure in the Christian faith. We've seen people portray the Virgin Mary. We've seen people portray Jesus. We've seen even people portray God. Actors. So I think an alien could as well. Could a demon. Could a something that is the antithesis of the Holy Word. Like it seeks out to destroy. If, could it disguise itself as a religious figure? And if it could, that's really, really bad. Because then who do you know to trust? If you're praying... I, I remember being told really early in my life as a Christian, because I grew up in the church, my dad was a minister, Satan hears your prayers too. <laughs> That's really scary to tell a seven-year-old, right? But it's true. Satan hears your prayers too, and he, you may be praying for something that you don't need. It's going to be harmful for you. Well, he can hear him too. He can answer those prayers, but they're not going to be good for you. I guess the cautious answer is yes. Demons could disguise themselves as holy figures. And it is up to us to determine that on a case-by-case -case basis. I know we all see religious figures on a daily basis. We're like, that's not Job. We see Jonah, he's getting swallowed by a whale. Ah, Jonah, always having fun in the digestive juices of that giant creature. I mean, it's not something that we'll probably ever come across. How many of us get to see religious figures? But if you do ever find yourself face-to-face -face with what most would consider a miracle, trust your gut. These girls did. 
This story could have easily ended with three girls mysteriously vanishing. They went up to the cabin for a night and never came back. Something happened to them and no one could ever figure out what it was. But these three girls, even though they were praying to the Virgin Mary, and the Virgin Mary appeared, they knew something wasn't right. They ran home. Although now that I'm thinking about it, why, if it was a demon, why would it have stopped and prayed to the cross? Like, you think it would have kicked, you think it would have kicked it over. Was that really the apparition of the Virgin Mary? Was she really chasing these kids? Because that, that's almost creepier, right? A part of my, I, I, this isn't how I expected it in the episode. I was, you guys could probably tell I was wrapping up to a scary ending. Maybe it was maybe she was running after them to protect them from something worse. I don't know. The story's so weird. The story is it's just weird, and it's not something that we normally. It's not something that I've ever seen before. Someone I've seen, you know, we obviously come across stories of people being protected by religious figures, like the kids in Miami, kids in Miami fighting the demonic army. That was a really cool episode. Put it in the show notes, but. Was she chasing them to make sure something worse than to get them in the woods? Why was she staring at them from the darkness? It's a mystery, I guess. And what a better way to end season 14 than with a mystery. There's no spooky wrap-up. There's no wrap-up at all. It's just me saying there's a mystery. But sometimes that is the only way to end an episode. And a season. But I will be back on July 18th for an Alien Invasion special. Right now, I'm going to go play Just Cause 3. I just bought Far Cry 4. I'm going to have a great vacation. You guys have a lot of fun as well. We will be back the first week of August. I love you guys. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. And I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.